everybody. <laughs> We're starting right on time. <laughs> well, happy Sunday, everybody. So we have a couple of things to talk about because I already had had plans. I had set up the stream like three days ago. So three days ago, when I was following the real estate headlines, they were talking about the, the housing crash is not happening. It's canceled for for the time being. And then today I, you know, I always like to have some backup articles. I'm going through all of them. And now it's like they, it's like they, they have amnesia that three days ago they were saying there's going to be no housing crash. Well, now they're like, we're headed for one of the biggest foreclosure crisis and a housing crash is imminent. You know, like two totally different things. Like if you put down the newspaper for just three days, man, it's just. Like, but the thing is, it's all the devil is in the details. So we're going to talk about what's being said in these news articles so we can have a conversation. I was reading some of the comments as the, before the stream came up. And uh, one of them said something about California. Um, oh, here, I'm going to pull this up, Eddie, if you don't mind. Uh, here it is. Christina, California state law is starting July 1st will allow developers to turn commercial properties into real estate, residential or mixed use to expand affordable uh, units availability. Sounds like a sounds like your plan. Yes, it does sound like my plan. Someone must be watching my channel. <laughs> I like to think I'm that important. <laughs> But yes, it can be done. It's been done before in other states. It isn't a new concept. Every time there's resistance from people, they're all like, oh, it's too expensive to turn, you know, commercial buildings into residential, you know, buildings, blah, 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 blah. It, you know, if, how is it that all these other areas can do it, but it's just too expensive for them? Sometimes it's just because they don't want to. So they just kind of make up all these reasons why they can't. Seems like a lot of things, you know, <laughs> with the world, like we can't do that. And they have no like real legitimate reason why they can't. So anyways, um, and then this comment came through and I was like, you know what? That's kind of genius. So I actually have, um, I... I don't have like a lot of time to edit. I edit my own videos, but uh, I would love to do like extra videos. And this was a really great idea too, which was um, this commenter says, uh, I always love you're watching your videos. It'd be great if you could make a high a video highlight of your streams. So I'm thinking about doing like a, like a clips. You remember how like Joe Rogan does those JR clips, you know, Joe Rogan clips. So I was like, maybe I should do KMS clips, you know? <laughs> K KS clips, you know, of, of real estate clips, maybe KS real estate clips. And then I would just take the highlights of the stream where we're having these conversations, maybe some of the greatest questions that y'all come up with, and I can make them into little clips. They wouldn't be like full length videos. They probably like be a minute and a half or two minutes long. Um, it wouldn't be uh, like what they call YouTube shorts either. It's just, you know, some clips of these streams, but I think that'd be great. And I would put that like on a separate channel. So anyways, that's a really good idea. So I have an editor. I reached out to an editor to do that. I literally just texted when your comment came in, I texted him and said, Hey, could you do this? So I'm waiting for him to respond. I'll let you know. Um, another little thing we're going to, before we get into the articles is if you ever really want to laugh at me, YouTube has brought back the feature where you can go to like the videos tab and click oldest. So you can watch my earlier content and like, it's so cringeworthy. <laughs> so cringeworthy. So if you guys really want to, you know, get into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can watch how this has evolved into what it is today. <laughs> so anyways, all right. So let's get into the very first article where they say the housing market is not going to crash anymore. It's, it's, everything's hunky dory. Eddie's going to be pulling it up on the screen. 
And we're going to get into that right now. If you know anybody, by the way, that is thinking about doing YouTube, I just um, opened another uh, week's worth of courses for real estate agents. So I'm I'm on my way to helping some more real estate agents get started on YouTube. All right. It says uh, the housing market suggests that the U.S. economy has dodged a recession bullet and is poised for more growth ahead. You know, like here it is. Crash is over. Not going to happen. You know, <laughs> we're, pro we're posed for more growth. Okay. Uh, recent strength in the housing market suggests that the U.S. economy has may dodged a bullet recession, according to Carson Group. Housing starts surged to nearly 22% in May, while building permits have also rose, indicating builders are more confident about demand. And you guys know that what I always talk about, you know, the builder sentiment, you know, for like, what was it? I think 15 months straight, they were kind of like, we feel icky about the housing market. So we're not going to build anything. Well, now they, it's just like what happened during the pandemic. Now they're like, oh, there's pent up demand. We should go ahead and start building. Anyways, well, let's just hope that they're building homes in the affordable range because that's where we need them the most. So let's see what these builders are going to do. Uh, housing has historically bottomed prior to the end of the recession and has typically led the economy out of one. I, I thought we were still in a recession. I mean, like, I I don't know. Like, I... <laughs> I don't know about you, but my gas prices here for uh, unleaded are pretty high and I, we're definitely having inflationary issues. <laughs> I thought we were still kind of in a little bit of a rural session. Maybe, maybe not. All right, Eddie, scroll down a bit, please, my friend. If Eddie's there. Yeah, right He's probably get, grabbing a cat off the counter. All right. In a Wednesday note, he highlighted, oops, we missed something. Uh, recent strength of the housing market suggests that the U.S. economy may have dodged a recession, according to Carson Group. Global macro strategist Sonia, and I'm not even going to attempt to say that last name. All right. In Wednesday note, he highlighted that the strong data on housing start, which surged to 21.7% May to 1.63 million units, posed the biggest percentage gain in three decades. That the biggest deal, because the weakness is not strength, it's and the uh, housing starts data has historically foreshadowed recessions. Housing starts uh, measure the groundbreaking of a foundation and precedes the sales of new homes, as well as spending on a home on goods and appliances. It also tells you a lot about the home builder's sentiment. Here we go. When they feel icky, <laughs> which has been rising since the start of the year. Housing historically has bottomed out uh, prior to the end of the recession, is typically led by the economy out of one of Home builder sentiment, perhaps the best leading indicator for the housing activity has been the surging since the end of last year. There's clearly a feeling of much better future of demand. The thing is, is anybody that's like, I know many of you are watching my channel are looking for affordable housing options. No matter where we've been for the last three and a half years, there the demand has not receded for affordable housing. Like anybody that's below the 300,000 mark, you know, across the United States, I know that doesn't exist in California. I, I realize that. But if you look through like most of the United States, under 300,000 is the most affordable homes. They still are getting bidding wars and they never have stopped getting bidding wars. It's craziness. I will say here in Baton Rouge, the housing market has slowed down just a, just a scotch. But if you're still in the that lower end and you have a nice house, 
sold just like that, just like that. You know what? But if you're over 500,000, you're going to be sitting on that sucker for a while. (laughs) Just FYI. Well, uh, housing starts uh, weakened last year as mortgage rates surge. A recent, ooh, Eddie, don't highlight that because I can't read the blue part. My Eddie, don't highlight that. I can't read the blue part. Thank you. While housing starts uh, weakened last year, mortgage rates surge. The recent rebounds suggest that the odds of recession have decreased significantly, especially compared to the economist's expectation. Single family starts surged to 19% in May. While Meanwhile, economists expand on the small fall, star, fall in starts, once again highlighting the disconnect between what's happening in the economy and expectations. He said that adding the building per- permits jumping 5% in May and are up to 13% since November. Builders wouldn't be looking to get new construction authorized if they were being pessimistic about the housing market. This is true, but I think that I hope, let's just hope hope that the housing starts that they're doing are going to be in for the people that truly need it. Like, the first time home buyer is driving this market. Like there's so many people that are looking to buy their very first home. And most of them and the good majority of them are not the people that are going to be buying $700,000 houses. Um, so I, I hope that builders are not just like taking all this data on surface level and are building these houses. Cause I think they, I think they're going to end up hurting themselves uh, because there's just not enough people that can afford those types of homes as in most areas, uh, you know, in most areas, you got to remember, like, if you look at the median income of a family for what they're making, they can't afford a $700,000 house, you know? So like, I hope, I hope they're realistic. Um, so like with all these housing starts and new builders, home sentiment, and, uh, you know, all of this, they're saying the reason why home prices have remained high and haven't gone down like they were supposed to, uh, like all the housing crash bros had, you know, promised you was like, what I've been saying is there hasn't been enough supply. We haven't been building enough homes. I've said that a gazillion times. I've showed you those charts a gazillion times. They've like for the last, what, since the last housing crash, we are, we are, I think they say, it depends on what chart you looked at. Some say we're 7 million homes short, but they say that they're estimating that with us more than single family homes. But then another, like according to National Association of Realtors, they say we're about 5 million homes short. But again, their their little chart, you know, varies. It could be uh, as little as, you know, 4 million. So still there's millions of homes that are necessary. Um, so then, so we talk about this, they're going to be building again. How much are they going to cost? Who knows? Because again, building supplies are going to be are still very expensive. And, you know, the powers that be like to keep building supplies expensive because that keeps housing expensive and then you turn it into renters. But that's my tinfoil hat moment. All right, Eddie, show the foreclosure rate. So all these articles, like I said, I'm telling you, there's there's probably at least three from every single website that is talking about uh, foreclosures. It is unbelievable. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, like this is a number you should be paying attention to, especially if you are looking for a a more affordable housing option and you're willing to put a little little elbow grease into creating a a home of your own, which I know a lot of people uh, will do that. My first home was like that, you know, it was needing a lot of work, (laughs) a lot lot, lot, lot of work. So um, Eddie, can you pull up that article, please, my friend? Here we go. Here we go. All right. So Adam, you know, if you guys like charts, this is the one to go to. Um, 
another one is, um, I can't even think at the top of my brain. If you guys knew how, what, how terrible I feel today, my brain is like, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> U.S. foreclosure activity continues to climb in quarter one of 2023. And they're saying that the filings are way up, way up. Okay. So let's scroll down and look at the way up, <laughs> the way up. Okay. All right. So if you look all the way to the right, that's where we're at, we're at right now. If you look at that, the, the big drop all the way down to the bottom there, right there, you know, like the drop, Eddie, the drop. Yep. Right there. That was right before the pandemic because they closed all foreclosures. You weren't allowed to buy a foreclosure because government entities froze foreclosures for that time. And then the dot above that, that big spike was prior to the pandemic. And even then that was considered a low amount of foreclosed homes. I think that when you really need to kind of like raise an eyebrow is when you look at that next peak over, if we reach, yeah, that one right there, exactly. If we reach that, that's when you're going to probably start getting some deals, but you and I know, and I know that you've been watching this channel and you're smart that whenever you see a rise in foreclosures like that, and I'm going to ask the audience who gets those homes first. What, what group of people tend to get those foreclosed properties before they ever hit the market? I, I, I want to, I want to know if you guys have been watching. I know you guys have watched it. <laughs> I'm waiting for the answers to come in. There's always like a delay. I think it's like 15 seconds or something. So, oh, there we go right away. <laughs> Investors. You're exactly right. So um, big companies like um, you know, like Bank of America, um, uh, you know, like the big ones, the big mortgage companies, they're like, dude, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do every single little tiny, you know, foreclosure process. I've already spent a bunch of money on the courthouse, getting this paperwork filed. Here is a group of, of, uh, homes that are for sale to, uh, Mr. We'll just say, um, Mr. Brownstone, Mr. Blackstone, here you go. Like, would you like to buy all these foreclosures? And they're like, sure, we'll love to buy those. We'll fix them up, put a little paint on it and rent those suckers right out. You know, that's, that's where they go first. And that's exactly where we'll see. Um, that's where we're going to see more rental properties coming on the market. So, oh, someone gave me a coffee. Thank you so much living in Omaha. I appreciate you. <laughs> it's tea. Well, you, I'll have a tea on you. <laughs> I don't have, I don't drink coffee. Even the flippers though. Somebody said flippers and investors. Here's the thing is like flippers love to get a deal. They love foreclosure properties, but they don't get the cream of the crop. They do not. It's those big investors that get, but they get a, they get them in a bundle. So they get some real garbage ones that are like barely holding on for dear life. And then they get some real gems in there too. So um, but you know what, now that I think about it, well, while well, I got you here, well, I got you here in the description of, of this, uh, live stream, there's actually an affiliate link to foreclosures.com. So if you're interested in looking up for foreclosures, since the foreclosure numbers are going up, go ahead and uh, use my affiliate link to create an account before you actually like start paying, get on their newsletter first, right? So you can find out when those properties are hitting the market, then use my affiliate link. So that way you're not paying for something until you're ready to buy something. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, I'm trying to save you a little money there, <laughs> but my, my affiliate link does give you a discount instead of just going 
and paying it straight to the um, website itself. But they have properties on their website that you would not get on the MLS or on um, realtor.com or on Zillow.com or even Redfin. They're, they, they're like exclusive to that specific website. So go check them out. So I just want to let you guys know that. So <laughs> I just also wanted to let you know that whenever you're starting to look at these news articles, and I, I know I bring them to you every single week, uh, be uh, have a keen eye of what they're really saying. Uh, headlines are just like uh, video video titles, right? Um, I always have been the person that uh, whenever I make a video title, I explain what the video title is, right? I uh, Some people will say like, um, you know, this is the worst housing crash in history. And they'll put like, you know, 60% on their thumbnail. And I will never do that unless that is true. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm never going to make a video just for you to click on it and it not be true. Um, the biggest regret on my channel I've ever done was that I believed there was a housing crash happening because at the beginning of the pandemic, the housing market had basically frozen in place. And I was like, oh, this is going to be bad because so many people had lost their jobs. I believed what I, I had said at that time. And of course the numbers changed and then people were like, oh, you should take this down. This didn't age well. And I'm like, no, it holds me responsible. And um, if there is uh, rumblings in the market, if, there if I believe that things are turning and we're seeing a housing crash, um, I will be the first one to tell you that this, this is not looking good. In the meantime, my focus is trying to find you the most affordable housing option. Right now, we do not have enough inventory. That means home prices are going to continue to rise. In some areas, yes, they've seen a reduction in prices, but those are the same areas that have had a lot of new construction in them. I do not see home prices going down 20, 30, 40% in the next until the end of this year. Like I'm that is my crystal ball moment, and I will only go to the end of the year that I don't see home prices dipping down. I will see say this. Real estate is uh, real estate is um, sensitive to the seasons. So this summer, uh, the spring into summer, we are going to see home prices rise. In the fall, we'll most likely see them go flat, and by the end of the year, we might even see a dip. And then at the begin at the beginning of the following year, we'll probably see them dip even a little bit more. And then sure enough, it's going to continue to go back up again unless we have an increased supply or, which I've said this, or, 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 keep your ears open, if we have a massive decline in the jobs market and people can't pay their mortgages. that That's it. That's, I mean, those are the two things that will drive prices down. Um, who knows what the, the interest rates are going to be? The Fed is they're so wonky. You know, the Fed one day is like, we're not going to raise rates. And then they're like, we're trying to tank over a million jobs. So we get housing prices down. And then they're like, no, just kidding. We didn't mean that. And God, I don't, you know, you know, anyways, well, that was my, that was my preaching moment. So if you guys have any questions during the stream, make sure you put the word question first, and then Eddie can put your question on the screen and then I can answer them for you. And Kelsey was right on the ball right away. And she gave me a question right away. Uh, Kelsey says, question, have banks been allowing HELOCs or are they still kind of on hold? That depends on where you live. Like they're on hold in some areas and in other areas, they're not. I would go ahead and check with your local lender. I will say this though, 
I find that local banks are a lot easier to work with when it comes to HELOCs uh, than, um, than like your, your big, your big brand names. I won't say any big, I won't say any of them. You can apply for a home equity loan or HELOC through an online application or by visiting the U.S. bank branch in person. Is it, yeah, this is a, this is one of the banks that are here in our area. So yeah, it's still there. APR is 8.65 to 13.05. <laughs> That's very expensive. So expensive. <laughs> That's kind of painful. <laughs> okay. Living in Omaha says, uh, question off topic. Knowing what you know now, uh, what would you do differently with your channel? Or what advice would you have given your earlier self on YouTube? Um, I would have given myself a little bit more grace. I was very nervous to film videos and I would kind of freak out every single week. I would give myself a little bit more grace on, on that. Um, the other thing is I, I wouldn't listen to too many, uh, so-called experts. Uh, I was, I was fortunate enough to kind of hold out until I found somebody that I knew, knew what they were talking about before I invested that kind of money. So always investigate who you're planning on giving money to, to take advice from on YouTube, because there's a lot of, a lot of malarkey out there, you know, just like, it's just like the, just like YouTube videos with, you know, catchy clickbaity titles and, and fancy thumbnails. <laughs> a lot of them, they talk, 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 but they have no, they have no actionable advice. Like I want to see, I want to see diagrams. I want to see their analytics. So, you know, don't get snowballed is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right, here we are. Oh, look. Oh, so yeah, the Eddie's show you the oldest tab. Look at that. <laughs> it's so bad. So bad. Yep. There it is. Yeah. Even Ron Delusa, he's been on the show. He's still, he was in my earliest video six years ago. <laughs> so if you guys really want to make yourself cringe, kind of throw up in your teacup, go watch my older content. <laughs> I will say that if like you kind of get into like year five that I did like sketches, I did like real estate sketches and I loved them. They were really fun. And even my kids are in those videos. So I liked those videos, even though they're still kind of cringy. I still loved them. I think there's one about home warranties with my daughter and she's opening them. <laughs> they're good. I'll go watch that one about home warranties. All right. Anyway, Playful Titan says, hi, Christina. How have you been? I'm fa fantastic. Thank you very much. I've been watching a lot of your videos and I would like, uh, like what have you said about the information you provide about mobile and manufactured homes. Uh, and I know uh, I appreciate the information anytime, you know, honestly, I want everybody to realize that a home is a home, right? And um, one of the reasons I started talking about manufactured homes is because of the stigma behind them. You know, there was, I, I had no idea about manufactured homes until I was probably, I think I was 18 years old. And I was in this guy's house, you know, we were dating or whatever. And I loved his little house and they had, it was new and they had a kitchen and everything. And I knew it was like on, on piers. And one day I, I didn't know. And I had kind of like tripped over this little seam in the, in the center of the house. I was like, Oh my gosh, there's like uh, your, I think you have like tree roots or something like there. And they're like, Oh no, that's where the house is put together. And I'm like, what? And they're like, Oh, this is a trailer home. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I hadn't, I had no clue. It was just a house. It was just a house. And that's all manufactured homes are. They're just homes. 
and the fact that they get pooped on so badly. I mean, honestly, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's a place where someone can afford to live. It is safe. It is secure. You're not paying rent to a landlord. If you're not living in a park, it belongs to you. Who cares? Like in the grand scheme of things, who cares? It's a house. If you enjoy it, no, the rest of society can go pound sand as far as I'm concerned. So I'm glad you enjoyed my information. V-Man uh, says, uh, question, if a house goes into foreclosure and within, let's say, six months, can the owners pay what they owe and get it back, uh, get back the house or do they have to qualify again? Oh, Eddie's going to pull up the answer. So redeeming the property before the sale or filing for bankruptcy. Of course, if you work out a uh, loss mitigation option, the loan modification that will also stop the foreclosure process in Louisiana law does not give the borrower the right to reinstate their loan. But if you're, but your loan paperwork may allow for your reinstatement. Check with your mortgage company to see if you have the right to com um, complete the reinstatement. If not, a lender might agree to let you reinstate your loan. I've actually seen this happen during the last crash where the people were able to save their house before they hit a short sale. They were they had a uh, their house under short sale. They had a buyer. The buyer was about to back out and they had come into a little bit of money and uh, the buyer couldn't back out because of the way that the foreclosure process worked. But working with the, the title company, the person that was supposed to purchase it and the original homeowner, they were able to reinstate their mortgage. This was a very special situation. Every single mortgage company is going to have different rules when it comes to this. And every state's going to have different rules when it comes to this. Um, I think some states make it a lot harder for mortgage companies to all in all foreclose on it. I think they give an, many opportunities for the home buyer to go ahead and collect their home again. But just know that whenever you're looking at your mortgage payment uh, book, you know, the, all those papers that you signed, all like that big stack, all of that paperwork says one thing, you don't pay the bank, we're going to take it back. You know, it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, all that legalese and all the, you know, all this, that paperwork protects the mortgage company. It does not protect you. And even like when you ever see PMI, PMI is not to protect you, it's to protect the mortgage company, but they still got to make you pay for it. So just know that. But um, most, most mortgage companies do not want to go through that process of uh, foreclosing on a property. Um, they've learned their lessons since the last uh, crash, I will say that, because they found out how incredibly expensive it was for them to go through that entire process. That's why they were so quick to go, you know, let's go ahead and do these short sales because it saved them money. It wasn't that, you know, they were doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. They were doing it because it saved them money. And this time around, they're more willing to work with people and readjust their mortgages. Um, and even during the beginning of the pandemic, they even renegotiated mortgages for people so they could save their homes. So let's just hope that like when they're saying, you know, there's going to be this spike of foreclosures, you know, that that isn't necessarily the case um, that they, you know, like they're going to work with people more. I do. I would definitely want home prices to come down for everybody. Let's get that straight. But I do. Um, 
And but I don't want to see a bunch of people lose their home in order for those home prices to come down. Everybody's like screaming, crash, crash, crash. I mean, you got to think about the families that affected got affected from that. Like if you remember the last time around, some of these families like literally picked up in the middle of the night and it looked like aliens abducted them. They left all of their possessions there and they just took off in the middle of the night. Now, um, you can, you know, think what you want about people that do that or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, it was awful. So many people lost their homes. And um, that's why they say that, like, millennials took a little longer to decide if they really wanted to purchase a home because they saw what happened to their parents. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, <laughs> It kind of sounds scary. You know, I don't want to get picked up in the middle of the night and have to leave, you know. But now they're, they're, the millennials are back in the game. And I have you know that millennials are in their 40s, you know. <laughs> They're not children anymore for some reason. People can't wrap their brain around that. They're they're not they're not kids just fresh out of college. They're in their 40s. So, <laughs> I, so like I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, those kids, they don't want to work. I'm like, they're 40 years old. They're not children. <laughs> they have children, little big children. You know, what are you talking about? So anyway, question it says, uh, E Houston 40 says. Would you please do an episode on tiny home parks as starter homes and retirement options? That's when my, many of my folks uh, have the least money. Thank you. Yes, I will. I've, I've done, actually done um, some videos on tiny homes. I haven't done many on tiny home parks because the ones that I have been able to actually get on the phone to have, you know, answer my questions. Those are the ones that only have limited amount of time that you can park your tiny home there. There's like, you can't live there permanently. It's like a, an RV park where you're constantly rotating out. Like they, the longest lease they'll do is six months. Um, so I will find out more about that. If you, if you know anybody though, like if you know a park that does that kind of thing, let me know, email it to me at, um, info at Christina smallhorn.com Christina with a K and send me uh, anything you got on that because I, I haven't been able to find any that don't do, that do long-term leases for tiny homes. So JK, I like that rhymes. JK has a question. Uh, what, which geographical area in the U S is, are the most optimistic as far as residential real estate is concerned? Um, as far like, as you, are you talking about optimistic in it crashing or optimistic as it maintaining its price? Because like maintaining your price, you're probably looking like Michigan, uh, New Jersey, like that Maine, New Hampshire, that that whole area is, is fine. You know, they're going to be doing fine. But like on the on the West Coast, like you got your California, your um, Arizona, like those are the ones that are kind of like they have. They have good uh, optimistic and then they go, oh, we feel like yucky. And then they feel good and then they feel yucky. Those, um, some of those areas are the ones that saw the, the most amount of price adjustment in the last few months, but they were also the areas that saw the biggest increases during the pan pandemonium, the pandem pandemonium. <laughs> Ethan Bar Bartholomew, I'm not, I'm not, I'm Bartholomew, Bartholomew. There we go. I did it. Ethan Bartholomew. <laughs> what is the builder's uh, markup on new construction homes? Here it goes. Eddie's going to pull it up. Uh, 20 to 25%. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit higher than that. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was 30%, but 
I guess it depends on your, um, for spec homes. Oh, okay. There, here we go. For spec homes, it can be beneficial to look at the benchmark representing contribution margins at any firm. We define contribution margins to be the gross margin, less commissions and concessions. A good benchmark for contributions margins is for a spec home is about 20 to 22%. Yeah, there you go. 20 to 22%. But the, the, you got to remember too, though, that changes with the cost of construction materials. Um, that's why sometimes homes uh, will go up before the builder is even ready to bring up homes because the cost of construction materials have gone up. Another cost that has increased that's increased the price for new constructed homes is the cost of labor. So labor has gotten a lot more expensive um, in the last, like, I don't know, six months in areas like um, in some areas that have, uh, I don't know how to say this. In areas that have stricter regulations on the type of workers that can build homes. If you have tr uh, stricter regulations on the type of workers that can build homes, it makes for higher construction costs. Uh, I, I hope I made that as uh, vanilla as possible. As vanilla. I will say this. <laughs> I will say this too about uh, builders. They, the, the builder's sentiment is always something I joke about, uh, about them feeling like, positive or negative about the housing market. Um, the, but they, what they haven't, what builders need to put into perspective is the consumers right now have not been very, very confident in the type of products that have been put out by home builders. The consumer sentiment has been, I'd rather buy a home that already exists than have to guess to find out what's wrong with my brand new constructed home. Um, I saw that in, I forget it was either MSNBC or, uh, maybe it was Fox News, but the, yeah, the consumer, um, the consumers are not <laughs> feeling super hunky dory about new construction. They feel like um, home. This is what they were saying is that they feel like home builders have been trying to cut corners to keep costs down for them so they can make more of a profit margin. So they're more willing to wait for a home to come on the market than buy new construction. We'll see if that continues. We'll see if that continues. Hold on one second. I got to take a little shippy shippy. My, my throat's a little dry. All right. That was bigger than I thought. Thomas Dunn says, is there a way to see the price trends by price bracket example? 500, 700, 700 to 1 million. Um, you can go on, you can go on that, Adam. You can go on, um, golly, I, I don't know why this other one is slipping my brain because I use it, I mean, all the time. And I can see the, like the logo in my brain. <sighs> it's driving me crazy. I, I, I use it in all my, um, Moody analytics is another one. You can check that out. Um, but I would only go with the, when it comes to data and analysis, I wouldn't, don't buy it. Like there are people that are selling you their charts. Don't buy data that's free on the internet. Like, like, don't, there's no reason for that. And they're saying, well, it's because ours is the most up to date there. It's impossible for them to have the most up to date because the numbers don't come out. And when they do come out, they all are updated at the same exact time. So what they're doing is predicting 
what the next month's or the past month's numbers are, and then they adjust those charts accordingly once once uh, the new numbers come in. So you're buying something on a guess. So if you're thinking, well, I'm getting the most up-to-date data. No, you're not. You're buying a guess. So just FYI, don't, don't buy anything like that. I saw somebody that was selling, selling real estate data charts. And I was like, and then somebody shared with me what that was all about. I was like, wow, that's a scam. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, Byron Thomas says, millennials, uh, that's funny term. Kids to me are teens in, uh, in their 20s. Anybody older are not my children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I don't know. I, it's f people that are older than me, they're, they talk about millennials. Like they're like working at McDonald's or, you know, you know, slinging burgers and like, they just graduated high school or they're just starting college. I'm like, millennials are, are out of the house and they have children at this point, you know, like it's so cra crazy. Ethan, Ethan says, thank you. You're welcome. Why is labor going up? That is, uh, that is the question that I, I don't know the answer to. I will say this, and I've said this many, many times in many uh, different administrations. It doesn't matter. They can really make those charts say whatever they want them to. No matter when a press release comes out from a White House, it doesn't matter who's in office. They can literally make that jobs market report look any way they want it to. They just take away some stuff. They don't, they don't put some stuff in there. And all of a sudden we have a booming economy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how that works. One of the, the things that like blows my mind is there is a group of Americans. Um, and the, I think this one, this one statistic like dropped off that jobs market. I think it was like 10 years ago. Could have even been a little bit more than that, but it was the amount of Americans that took unemployment because they lost their job. Then after that, they were um, basically like looking for a job and then they still hadn't found a job. So technically they should be part of the jobless numbers, but they are like, well, not really because they're not actively looking for a job. They're not, if they wanted a job at that point, they could get a job. So we're going to take those people out of there. <laughs> what? You can't do that. Well, apparently you can, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't, I take the jobs market numbers, no matter what, with a, with a grain of salt. I, and anybody who's anybody just go down the street. You talk to anybody, people you don't know, people you like and people you don't like. You're hearing of somebody getting laid off from their job. But then the next thing you know, the job numbers came out another 385,000. The stock market is like rallying around the fact that there's been more jobs. And then you hear people like, I've been looking for a job for nine months. I've applied to over 475 different places. I even have a, a recruiter and a headhunter trying to find me a job, but I can't find one. You know, it's like something feels off balance there. I don't know what it is, but, you know, all things over time are always revealed. <laughs> you know? Oh, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. I just laugh because I, you know, either you laugh or you cry. That's, that's where it comes in here. Uh, incredible tiny homes, Randy Jones, Tennessee, rot, rent a lot as long as you want. Thank you. I appreciate your help for supporting plus wisdom from Michigan. You're welcome. 
Well, nice. Let's do it. Let's do it. Next one up here. Falsificationism. I'm I'm getting so much better about saying your screen name. <laughs> Long time listener here. <laughs> he's, he's here a lot or she. I'm not sure. They're here a lot, but I'm thankful for you. And they always ask questions. Are there any communities that share a redundant or infrequently used tools, e.g. almost every garage has a lawnmower to free up space? Sharing could uh, keep costs down, increase usable square footage. So that's an interesting concept. Um, so in California, they have started something called ADUs. And this is something that has now spread throughout the United States, where you take unused space and then you turn it into rental units or an additional living space for a family member. Even in my backyard, this little office right here, it would not be considered an ADU, but technically you could use this as a living space temporarily, but it doesn't have a bathroom or, you know, it has no running water or anything. If I wanted to, I'd probably bring it up there. Just know whenever you're deciding to do something like this, before you even start looking at ADUs or redoing a space and turning into rental space, check with your city ordinances and check with your um, homeowners association. Um, like you got to do that right away. You have to do those things first because you know, you don't want to get all your hopes and dreams and everything wrapped around this idea that you're going to make a living space for, you know, a loved one. And then all of a sudden it'd be, you know, blown out of the water. So just find out if you can do it first. It is, it is something that has become a lot more popular, especially since they're not building as many smaller homes as they used to. I, I think it's a great idea. Honestly, I really do. Um, the people that built this little house right here, they had this plan that was so cute that it was like, uh, like a good size master bedroom on one side and then the kitchen, laundry room and bathroom on the other side. I kind of hated the fact that the bathroom was on the other side because if you had an elderly person that would kind of, that would really stink, you know, but it was a useful space. Um, I, I mean, they had other floor plans as well, but um, yeah, I think they're a great idea. I, I definitely think it's a great idea, especially if you have the space to do it. Definitely if you have the space to do it. <laughs> Vanessa, hello from Central Florida. I used to live there myself. I, I lived in Castleberry. <laughs> uh, I take the job market with a grain of salt. I agree. It's off balance. It, it, there's something... And it and it has it, it's always been like this. I mean, honestly, since I've been following job market numbers, it, it doesn't matter who the president is, the numbers are always a little wackadoodle, you know, like they're they're a little like uh, a little little padded here, a little greased here, a little shaved up here, and all of a sudden, look how great we are doing. <laughs> you know, everything's fantastic. Let's go out to the garden and talk about it on the news, you know. It's like they always do that. Go what government manipulating data? You don't say. That's what Debbie Brady says. And I'm sure she said just like that too. <laughs> Brian Thomas says, question. What you said about uh customer confidence with builders. Do you think uh do you think rehab business can fill the gap with elderly homes that are outside the current building codes? So if you have an older home that doesn't switch mortgage companies you don't have to worry about building codes unless you are rehabbing it like it depends on what you need because like here in louisiana if you if like for instance my house let's just say my house was built in 1975 
and they changed out like how you had to have like attic stairs going up to the, you know, you couldn't have attic stairs in the garage, but my house was built in 1975. And now you have to have them inside the house. They're not going to make you change that out. They just, they're not going to, they're going to note it in the inspection report, but it's not a pass or fail thing. Um, when it comes to flippers and rehabbing homes, they're not known to make things necessarily more affordable for the consumer. Um, they're there to make as much money as they possibly can. And that's what they do. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on rehabbers making more affordable housing for people. They're there to make a buck. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let me just get that clear. It's just, you know, sometimes, you know, you've seen enough videos. Some of them aren't nearly as uh, on the up and up as others, you know? So uh, Peter says, question, does inflate, inflation mean prices are going to go up or the value of our money is going down in general because of excess money printing or and what it will be the difference? So the home prices going up and inflation are tied to two different things. You know, like what we pay for goods and everything is one thing because like home builders are going to be paying more if inflation goes up for building materials, right? But the cost of home and the reason that home prices continue to rise is we do not have enough supply of houses available for the people that are wanting to purchase. We still have pent up supply. We have still have pent up demand of people wanting to buy their first home. First time home buyers, no matter what the market is, have always driven the market. That's why they never collapse completely because there's always a group of new home buyers that are looking to buy their first home. The difference is, is that there's people that are sitting on the fence that work very good jobs, that have very good income, that actually have a good 20% that they could put down. They don't even need like, a, you know, a, an FHA loan, but they can't find anything in their area because there's nothing affordable for the amount of income they make, even though they work really good jobs. If you look at any of the comments about my, you know, in my comment section about affordable housing options or affordable housing crisis, you can read how many people are like, it's true. My, my wife and I have, we're college educated. We make this amount of money and we can't find anything in our area for what we do. And that was not the case. You know, even when my husband and I were buying our very first home, you could, you could find an affordable house my, I was at the time I was a hairdresser. I I was cutting hair. My husband worked for uh, Sprint at the time. I thought it I thought he was a car salesman, but I was wrong. He worked for Sprint. We were having our first kid, and we bought our first house. People working those same exact jobs today with the income that they earn could not buy a house in the same area that we bought a home. They they it does not exist. There's no way. There's no way that anybody working those jobs could afford a three bedroom, two bath house in the location that I lived in. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. And that's a problem. I, I think everybody should have, be able to, if you're working hard and you, that's, I mean, that's what we've been told. You work hard, you save money, you'll be able to find a house and have your American dream. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. It's like they, to me, in my opinion, um, the building homes that they're trying to sell to people is only homes that are there brand new, brand spanking new, are there to rent them. You're seeing a lot more of these build to rent communities built, popping up, 
whole entire neighborhood, tennis courts, um, uh, swimming pools, uh, bicycle paths. I mean, just the perfect little picturesque little neighborhood put together and you can't buy one of them. They're all owned by one corporation and you pay rent to them. To me, that's gross. To me, that's wrong. I mean, of course, there's a market for that, but I don't like it. Christina don't like it. Ah, Clark the Realtor. Back to Clark the Realtor. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Thank you. Yep. One of my buyers is having that, that problem right now, looking in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, Atlanta's a hot, hot, as you know, hot place. Hotland is a hot place for corporate investors. They have dialed it back some, but they're still buying out there. You know, they like the Atlanta market. They do. They like to, they like that whole Sunbelt area because they find it to be inexpensive and they know that they can get as many, they can know that they can get a lot of people to turn into renters. So anyways, Frank, uh, do you think politics affects home prices? Um, I think pol pol political policies affect home prices. I don't think it matters who, if it's like, I don't think it matters who's in office. It's the policies that affect the home prices. Um, crappy policies, doesn't matter who, if they're voted in, make for terrible repercussions. That's what happens. Yep. Yes, the middle class is be uh, becoming a stake. I was talking to um, a friend of mine, his name is Joe Eves, and he's like, it's turning into the haves and the have nots. So either you have it or you don't. And the, the ones that don't, it's kind of like, well, too bad. You can run from us if you want to. <laughs> and it's like, this is gross. Like, how do we turn into this? Mm, I, don't, I don't like it. Christina don't like it. The old American dream is gone. What should we dream up next? We need a new dream and a new plan. So uh, I actually, I'm actually recorded this video and it's like uh, this whole propaganda piece uh, that was put out about Bilgerbent communities. And it was a new story. And um, I share it with you on how they are like selling this rent the dream. And you get a, you don't even have to stay in the same house. You just get a brand new house every, you know, couple of years. You don't have to stay in that house, that old house you've had for three years. Just go down the road, get into a brand new house. And then you can have a whole, all new stuff, all new stuff, all new stuff. You know, like they, that's how they sold leases to us, new car leases. Like, you don't want that old car for three years. I mean, oh, you've driven it for three years. You want a new car. Get into this lease. Same, same thing. Same thing. And now look how many people are in leases. You remember when leases came out? People were like, that's stupid. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I got a lease. <laughs> they made it so affordable for people to get a lease that no one ever owns anymore. Hardly anybody. Anyways, Donna says, question. Have you ever seen a home remodel and weird stuff? is in the walls. For example, my wife and son had to fix a water leak in the plumber while they were pulling plastic bags and garbage out of the wall. I showed this one video to my husband and they were noticing a really like weird smell in their bathroom, right? And it was one of those bathrooms that had the glass panels in the front of it. And, and then it had this like little cap part at the top. And she noticed that it was kind of like loose and she kind of like picked it up with her finger and then she noticed there was a cigarette butt in there. And she was like, huh. So she gets out of the shower. She grabs her camera and that whole empty aluminum tube that was holding that glass part together was just, I mean, years worth of just cigarette butts all the way down. 
<laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and then Eddie and I had a hoarder's, we, we purchased a hoarder's house, one of our homes, and uh, we found all sorts of things, um, various stages of the life cycle in almost every single cabinet of, of bugs and rodents and all sorts of stuff. Oh, and like, I don't even want to know what was underneath that carpet. I don't like it had the thickest padding I've ever seen and it had an, an illuminating color of the padding and that it was is kind of undescribable. So yes, of course, of course, there's always stuff. Oh, and then in another house too, there was like a little, they had this like little slit in the, um, in the wall and they were doing the plumbing. And the, when the plumber cut out the drywall around it, apparently that little slit was for, um, razors right and so when the replaceable razors so when they pull out the, when they would be done with the razor they would just stick it in that slit well it just slid down the wall i don't know why that was a thing but they did like years and years and years of those piling up um like dating all the way back to like 1947 of just used razor blades <laughs> so yeah there's always there's always fun stuff that you can find in the walls of um and you can find videos on them too. Like people find old bottles and time capsules and soda cans. And, you know, it's kind of neat stuff. Sometimes people will find like old newspapers because they like ran out of insulation. And then they'll just like throw newspapers in there and in older houses. And then like you can see the headlines from those years. It's kind of neat. Byron Thomas has a question. Um, can a rehab business answer the affordability concern you have? You're giving I me mean, a lot of ideas to do so. So um, you have to work with the right kinds of people in that specific housing market to know how difficult it's going to be for you to create something that you would consider affordable. Because as soon as you throw the word affordability into housing, you have a lot of people that have this reaction, you know, that big visceral like gag reaction. They're like, oh no, we're not doing that. Not here. You know, so make sure if you're planning on doing anything like this, anything at all, work with people in the area that understand the uh, political loopholes or political hoops you have to go through and the approval process for any affordable housing options in your area. You work with them closely before you even dive any deeper, because let me tell you what, it's definitely, uh, you know, you're going up the hill like this. But once once you get to that uh, the tipping point, it, it becomes smoother sailing. But you have a you have a big uphill road. That's for sure. Minnie's Art Studio says, do you think a lot uh, do you think more people are going to go back to homesteading lifestyle? I believe that. Um, the idea of homesteading is no longer like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, look at those hippy dippy people out there. Like, oh, what are they going to do? Like get solar panels. You know, like there was a lot of people that were like naysaying that lifestyle. The same with people that were living out of their van. Younger generations, and they're not like, they're not hippies. They're just like, they're not like, you know, we're going to just, we're going to eat nothing but, you know, nuts that squirrels have harvested. They're not these people, you know, they're people that are just trying to find some place affordable to live. They redo these vans, find free places to park so they can, they can live a life. I think the stigma of homesteading and uh, living, you know, by living in a van by the river is no longer something like, ha ha ha. It's kind of like, you know what, you're kind of smart. 
<laughs> you're kind of smart because you don't have to depend on anything. Um, if you think about it, and um, I, I would, I'm doing an insurance video right now. If you think about it, we have a lot more uh, problems like with uh, environmentally with hurricanes, wildfires, that kind of thing. If you have a homestead where you have canned your own vegetables, you have uh, created your own solar panel uh, power, you've, you know, created these own generators and everything, and you're not depending on anybody else but yourself. I'm, I'm sorry, you're a freaking genius. You're a genius. Like, to me, that's smart. And I think more younger people are seeing how incredibly smart that is and not having to depend on those kinds of things. So I think it's going to be more and more acceptable. Yeah, I, I see it becoming a lot more popular, especially since you, if you find some good homesteading land that you can get for on the cheap, you know, yeah, do it. Do it. Christina says, yes, do it. <laughs> DL says, how do you take over someone else's mortgage and property, take possession of the property and make sure that you get a deed once the property is paid off? How do you protect yourself legally going into the deal? This is where you're going to hire a title attorney and a real estate attorney to go over the actual deed of the property itself. If you are going to assume somebody's mortgage, you're still going through a mortgage process to get approved to assume their mortgage. So if they have a mortgage and you're going to assume it, you're assuming their mortgage, you're getting approved by their mortgage company. Now, if you're, if you're just, you have a mortgage and they have a mortgage and your mortgage is going to pay off their mortgage, that has to go through the legal, just like any other legal transaction. That's when you would hire a real estate attorney and a um, title attorney to get that done. You don't, you don't have to have a real estate agent to do that. You can just do it through the attorneys themselves. And um, that's, that's how you make sure it's legal. So at the end of that, right, they're going to offer you title insurance. And that is one of those things. It's a one-time fee. Don't let anybody talk you out of it, especially in places like Louisiana, when you have chains of uh, inheritance ship that goes decades down the road. I mean, like eons down the road, like some of these, some of these pieces of land have been around here and it's all inherited land. And you make sure you get that, uh, that title insurance. So they make sure that the, the title itself stays clear. That's what, that's my piece of advice for you. But man, we were getting some really good questions today. Wow. Thank you, everybody. I'm like, I'm so impressed. I have the best audience in the whole entire world. I really do. I have the greatest audience. Put the need on the record. Eddie had another question for me. I saw some come in. Eddie's going to, Eddie's the one that puts up the questions on the screen. So that's why I haven't done it because I would click on something. And if I click on something, then he gets mad. He's like, no, I have something. Don't you click on it. Here we go. <laughs> Avatar has a question says, hi, Christina. What range do you think interest rates will settle into or raise once the market settles out to normal? I still like, I'm still got my fingers crossed at some point this year, we're going to see it in, in the fives. I'm not like, I'm not saying like 5.1, I'm saying like 5.99, but that I still like, my thought is that it's probably not going to be until December that we see those those numbers. And maybe it's wishful thinking, but I still, I still hold on to that hope. I think like the normal is going to be between seven and uh, high fives. 
that's what I think. I think we're we're going to be settling in those numbers. Like anything between, you know, seven point I should say seven point five, and high fives like five point nine nine, five point nine nine. And I don't, you know, when they do that, it's like, you know, it's 6%, but it's, it just feels better to say 5.99. <laughs> Andre says, I've been telling some of the, <laughs> I've been telling some of the crash boat channels for almost two years that there's not going to be a crash unless there's some major job uh, losses that don't listen. Andre, the reason why they, they, I honestly believe they know that, but th they also know what people click on. So they're feeding what the masses, what they want to hear. Everybody that's looking for a house wants to hear that the housing market is going to crash. For some reason, it makes them giddy inside to know that people are going to lose their houses. But I mean, and I think that's mostly because they're just trying to find an affordable place to live. And it makes them like laugh to themselves that like their friends bought their houses at higher prices, told them not to do that, told them the prices were going to crash. They just want to see that so they could be right about something. Um, but it doesn't, the people that make those videos, they don't care. They, they're just, they're just making it so some people watch. The more people watch those type of videos, the more they make of those type of videos. Um, at the end of the day, I have to sleep at night and I, I refuse to make videos that, that I, I know people will watch them, but I'm not going to lie to you to get people to watch. That's for sure. <laughs> Eric says, uh, how reliable is Church Hill Mortgage? I'm trying to buy a home in Milwaukee uh, as first time home buyer. Any suggestions? The homes I'm looking for are the ranges between $75,000 and $135,000. My credit is about $610,000. So I'm not a mortgage lender. And I don't, I've, I personally have never used Churchill Mortgage. I, I don't know that that specific mortgage company. I don't know if it's local to Milwaukee, but what I can suggest to you is check Reddit. Reddit is gold mine. It can be a cesspool, don't get me wrong, but it is a gold mine to read people's stories. And then, you know, start looking at Google reviews. I will say this too about Google reviews. They can be faked, you know. <laughs> I made, I made one nasty comment on, on TikTok and then they found my, um, my Google page and they flooded my Google page full of like nasty remarks. I, I turned it into Google to say, you know, like they're, they're wrong, but Google didn't listen. So they're still there. People, have, people on TikTok who's never used my services has nasty things to say about me. But, um, yeah, so that's what I would do is I would start looking to see what other people are saying. The other place that I, I would suggest going to is, I know you probably don't like it, but you go on to the, the fake book and say, hey, is it, do you know anybody that's used Churchill Mortgage Company? What do you guys think of it? And you'll see, you know, people come in and make their little, their little comments. Oh, here, Forbes Magazine, Churchill Mortgage Lender Review 2023. The verdict is, uh, out of five stars, it got three. It got three stars. Uh, encourages borrowers to plan around having a mortgage payment with no long, uh, no larger than 20, 25% of their take home pay and pay off their loan early rather than knowing than borrowing the possible amount as long as possible. The lender offers a number of mortgage products, including certified home buyer programs and products that aim to protect you from fluctuating interest rates, such as interest rate relief and uh, rate secured programs that should be proved enticing for first time home buyers, veterans and mortgage uh, process alike. So, yeah. So um, 
according to the affordability index, they say no more than 30% of your take-home pay should be used for housing. Uh, in the last several years, that number uh, is, has been adjusted. Like in some uh, circles, they're even saying that most Americans are paying up to 40% of their take-home income on housing. And for purchasing housing, they're saying that uh, it depends on the area, but they're saying that, that that's been like up to like 32%. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little nerve wracking. Falsificationism. It says my cousin bought a plot of land in Cape Coral, but it hasn't been built because she hasn't moved. I told her, uh, I worry that her property insurance might go up, but she's unconcerned adjudicated. Okay. Here's the thing in Florida, um, and, and in Louisiana and Texas in California, um, there is an insurance crisis that's, that's going on, especially if you live in areas that are high prone areas for hurricanes, wildfires, those natural disaster type things, Florida, uh, so many, so many insurance carriers, the biggest names have pulled out. And when they pulled out, they, uh, they're like, um, yeah, we can't get you insurance. So they, the people that live there have no choice, but they have to get citizens and what they call citizens insurance. When you can't find any other insurance company to cover you, you get citizens and it's expensive in order to get that policy. They're telling you, you have to have flood insurance. That's another cost on top of it. Whether you're in a flood zone or not, they're saying in order to be on our citizens plan, you're going to get flood insurance as well. So, um, I would always be concerned when you live in an area that has a fluctuation in weather patterns that causes uh, personal property damage, property damage uh, constantly. Like anybody that lives on the coastal area, just know that your insurance is going to cost you big time. No, we need lower interest rates. Well, I'll, you know what? Here's the thing, SB. Like if you think about it, Let's just say tomorrow. Tomorrow, the the world has turned into a different place and we're back in interest rates in the threes. Like, yay, you're thinking fantastic. And all the news headlines are saying, yes, we are now more affordable because the housing interest rates are at 3%. When the median income family cannot afford the median income home, we have a problem. We have a massive problem. And all it's going to do is if interest rates go down that low, we're going to have a surge of people that have been sitting on the sidelines waiting for this moment to jump in to the housing market. Since we have a limited supply of homes that are available, very small supply, just small, that's going to do one thing, drive prices up even more making it more unaffordable for people to be able to purchase a house. So either you're paying on the interest rates or you're paying on the price of the home. They're still unaffordable because we do not have enough supply of houses to bring those prices level. I mean, at least keep them frozen. Put flames on the downward arrow, <laughs> Jerome Powell on a thumbnail and the words crash and people will watch. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or like Jerome Powell with the laser beam eyes. That was, that was one of those memes that people were using. Like, <laughs> I, I, I always like to, I like to rag on Jerome Powell because sometimes 
is not what he says in his like little report. It's when he talks to the reporters afterwards and he answers the questions. You're like, he said that just to make the markets go crazy. And it's, you could see it. Like the minute that he says some words that come out of his mouth, you could churn right here and like look at the stock market. It goes. And then when he says something good, it goes. I mean, instantaneously. And, the, and they all wait. It isn't the report that he reads that makes it do anything. It's all the questions that he answers to the reporters. <laughs> Jackie, Jackie Pika, please pronounce the name with an accent. that <laughs> you do, Christina. We love it. Yes, I love Jackie. Jackie, Jackie Pika. You know, when she answers the phone, when I call, when she calls my house, I always go, what? What do you want? Every single time every single time. I love me some Jackie. I love me some Jackie Baker. <laughs> I gotta have her on again. She's one of my besties, my bestest buddies, my bestie, bestie buddies. You ever meet those people? You're, you're going to have people in your life that you meet them. And as soon as you meet them, you're like, you must've known them in another life or something. Cause it was like her and I instant friendship. That was it. That was it. <laughs> Love her. All right, Eddie, next question. Next question. Enough about Jackie. Jackie. Jackie Baker. <laughs> she has a great channel about New Jersey, if anybody wants to know. Like she's got she's got some good stuff on there. <clears throat> Peter has a question. Is people paying for uh 42% of their income uh to housing sustainable? Well, they're doing it. Um, I don't know how it's sustainable it is for them. Um, because it like uh no, it's not sustainable. It's not. I, I Again, I think it's just one of those things. It's like by design. You make housing costs so unsustainable, then big investment firms come in and buy those lower end homes. And then you turn those people that's 42% of their income was for mortgage is now turned to 42% of their income becomes paying the corporation's mortgage, their rent. So um, I think it's all by design. I do. That's my tinfoil hat moment. I've said it very, I've said it often. I, I believe this. I do think that the, they are striving to turn as many young people into renters as possible. That's, I will, that's one of those hills I die on. <laughs> that's it. I believe it. I believe Mr. Corporate Investor wants us all to be paying him a rent. <laughs> That's it. I do. Like, like you write your rental check out to Jeff Bezos, you know. <laughs> and it says, question, uh, what do you do if the title company misses a small lien on the house that shows up after you moved in? XHOA tells you that their unpaid utility bill from the former owner. So if you have, uh, if you have the... Um, if you have title insurance, they're going to have to clean, uh, clean up those encumbrances. That's, that's on them. Not on you. That's why you buy the insurance. They're going to have to fix it. That's not on them. Who, who's they? They're they, they, the powers that be, you know, somebody said, who's they? <laughs> uh, question it says where do you see uh re residential real estate going in the next 10 years i have a feeling it's going to be stacked or high-rise style types of homes compared to the uh to the standard track home um <clears throat> i wish i had a magic answer for that um i i don't know i just i feel like more and more people are going to have multiple 
different types of houses on one lot, you know, like, so you have your traditional home, then you have uh, a little house for your kid. And then you have a little house for your like mother-in-law and everybody lives on this one lot in a way. I mean, it's kind of nice that families will be back together, but in another way, it's kind of like, why, how did we get to this point where the local mailman can't buy a home anymore? Cause he doesn't make mo enough money to, to buy a home, you know, like, and I mean, that's, it's a sad state of affairs when it comes to housing. And it, it's, it's sad to me that it's gotten to this point where, you know, it's a luxury, it's a luxury to be able to have a home that, that makes no sense in my brain. Um, that, you know, like it's all of a sudden, you know, a status symbol to own a home. Everybody should be able to, if you have a job, you've been paying your bills on time, there should be something there for you to be able to purchase. And it seems like by design, in my opinion, that they've intentionally made it. So it's like only the haves have it. And those don't have to go, have to work twice as hard as people as generations before that. That's what I think, you know, I know that's my, people always are like, you're an alarmist. I'm like, that's what I believe. I'm not trying to alarm anybody. That's what I really truly believe. But it would be nice if they did. There's plenty of room for single family housing. The problem is, is that when it's sprawled out, it makes other services more expensive, like fire departments and all that other stuff. So to have like row houses come back, that wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing. Um, I wouldn't mind that, you know, but we'll see what time will tell. Question, where are we, um, where, where are we to go to get the information about your course for real estate agents for YouTube? Um, yeah, so uh, I, it's called, uh, la, la, la. it's called, <laughs> don't laugh. You're ready. You guys are going to laugh at this course. It's called real estate video geeks. <laughs> the course is called real estate video geeks. If you want more information about my course, you're more than welcome. It's I, I run it with somebody else. Um, if you can reach out to me on Facebook or you can email me at info at Christina smallhorn.com. Um, yeah. And, and you know, what's so great about this course. I know most of you don't care about this, but I'm going to tell you that the great thing about it is that every single week I meet with all of you as real estate agents that are in the course. And we have a whole discussion about your channel and I work, I work closely with you and uh, yeah, and he's going to pull it up on the screen. There it is. There's the channel. Me and him have a channel together too. That's his name is Joe Eves and him and I, he does the video stuff and I do the YouTube stuff. So yeah, you're, you can, you can go check us out over there. <laughs> If you're a real estate agent, you know, you can check us out over there. But yeah, we and then all the links to the video, to the course itself are in those videos as well. So thanks for the question. You're more than welcome to join. You and I can be, become best friends. <laughs> this next round of people, there's only like, I think there's only like four or five people that signed up. So you're going to get real like hands-on training. <laughs> yeah, like hands-on, like holding hands on training. <laughs> so we're rounding up about a hundred and or I'm sorry, a hundred. We're rounding up to one hour and 15 minutes. I know that you guys uh, spend your Sundays with me and I enjoy every single time that I'm here with you. I'm glad that you guys were able to enjoy my dad as much as I enjoy my dad. Thank you so much 
for being so incredibly kind to him. I thought it was a great show. And you guys expressed how much you really enjoyed hearing what he had to say about his, uh, his travels and all the, ho the homes that he's lived in. And it was great. He did such a great job. I was very proud of my dad. Uh, he looks great for 85. The guy is, uh, He's a phenom. So thank you so much for being so kind to him. If you have any questions for me after the stream, you're more than welcome to put it in the comment section below. Or you could just show up next week and ask your question. Just always know, you just write the word question first and I will be right there and I'll be answering all your questions. I have one more question before we round this out. Okay, My Old House 1800 says, did you, do you have the tinfoil hats available on your website? No. But I have one right here. <laughs> I have one here. <laughs> what do you think? Is it does it fit me? You know, like is it suiting? It gets messed up all the time, but you know, it works for the the conspiracy theories. You know, I don't know. Like I kind of, I kind of think I look like a Teletubby sometimes. You know, <laughs> especially with these pants. Like, look, <laughs> I look like a Teletubby. <laughs> so, anyways, all right, you guys. Next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Depends on what the headlines decide to throw it as, at us. But, you know, I'm going to keep it straight with you. All right. That's what I do. And uh, we'll be heading in close to the 4th of July weekend. So, anyways, we'll see you next week. Have any questions, make sure you reach out to me. If you need a uh, real estate referral, go to my website, christinasmallhorn.com. Hit one of the pink buttons. Make sure you put your phone number there so I can go ahead and give you a personal phone call. And we'll talk about your real estate needs. And I'll connect you with a real estate agent that I know personally. And that way you can get taken care of. If I can't find you one, I'll be honest with you too. I can't find you one in your area. But if I have somebody, which I, I'm connected with so many people, I'll get you a good one. And I only work with the best people. I only work with the best people. So <laughs> if you want to enjoy the podcast, you can go ahead to anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you, if you head over there and you do enjoy podcasts, you give me a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. You guys have a fantastic week. You make sure you stay out of trouble. Look both ways before crossing. Um, don't look up when it's raining. <laughs> you just know that yellow and blue make green. Um, what other useless information can I come up with? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a great week. So long. Farewell. Avicis and goodbye. Hey, you going to dance? Everybody makes fun of my dancing. Somebody said, you call that dancing? Yeah, I call it dancing. You may not call it dancing, but I call it dancing. I mean, isn't it like, I think there is like professional dancing. There's no professional. I sure have fun doing it. I don't like singing. I'm not good at that either, but I enjoy it.